goes now. Wait, how does this thing want to go? Um, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Oh, happy birthday to you. Girl, you know that like there is like mad... Like, I was thinking about singing the whole song, and it, like, it takes a good minute before he gets to that part. <laughs> yeah, girl. I mean, it's a longer song than what people sing all like, the time. Yeah. Really Wait, did I have the, let's see, did I have the lyrics? Oh, I, think, oh, I don't think I had it. I was like, do you remember how it goes? It's like, da 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 I never da, hear, da, 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 I never da, da, da. hear the beginning part of it, because people always just go straight into the, <laughs> no, happy they just go straight birthday into it. to ya. <laughs> Happy so birthday true. to you. Uh, yeah, the people usually just go right into that Yeah, and for anyone, I guess there are people who probably don't know Stevie Wonder. Yeah, Stevie Wonder's version. Happy, but yeah. I mean, have you ever met a have you ever met like a white person who didn't know it? I feel like even white people kind of recognize it a bit. Um, I I bet you I've encountered a lot of white people who don't know that version, but I think a lot That's of them fair. do too. I feel like it's probably split, probably. Too mm. by maybe by generations, maybe some of the older white people know it, but not mm. the younger ones. Oh yeah, because you know, you know what makes me think about because not to, speaking of birthdays, and we're gonna get to yours. Um, but you know, it's recently Luther's birthday, and it has me thinking about like black famous versus like you know main, you know everybody famous. Mm-hmm. Is Stevie Wonder black famous or everybody famous? He's everybody S- famous, right? Stevie Wonder is everybody famous for people above a certain age, I believe. So, like, <laughs> okay. I think okay. I think Stevie Wonder, like, for every people over age, like, you know, forty, I think Stevie Wonder is mm. everybody famous. But even even yeah. at our age and younger, I think there are probably a lot of like white people out here, especially like white queens and stuff, who don't know. Stevie oh, Wonder like that. I, I really do. Mm. I think, whereas I think Luther Vandross is like really exclusive, like very much black famous, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I think Stevie Wonder was everybody famous because a lot of, he had like, his hits were like really big in the 70s, you know? And that's, pr- pr- mm. that predates us. So. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. So, yeah, I think there's a, uh. I think there, I think there is like, who else is black famous besides Luther Vandross? Who else? Um, oh, Nita Baker, Anita maybe, Baker. from Detroit. Yeah, who we talked about in another um, episode before. I think she's black famous, too. Deborah Cox, maybe like black gay famous. Um, oh, yeah, Deborah Cox is definitely black Shade. famous. Sade. Sade. Oh, I think... I think Arnell? white people know her. I think white people know her. Because oh, I, okay. I think, like, Smooth Operator... I think that was a hit oh, on, like, maybe, right, like... Right. On, like, regular... You know, on, like, mm. mainstream white people radio, too. You right, you right, you right. Because Tracy Chapman's probably like that too. Like she's broken over too. Oh, tra- oh, she has. Uh, give me that wasn't. Give me that reason to stay here, and I'll turn right mm. back around. That used to be on the white mm-hmm. stations too all the time. I think. Yes. So yes. they might know her right. too. Mm. We should do an episode at some point about black famous versus. Yeah, that's a cute episode for right sure. Then. Yeah. Um. But right now. We're here. Welcome to a special summer edition of Two Save Queens. Hey. One of the few places in the atmosphere <laughs> where you can hear a conversation about politics, dick, and Miss Deborah's birthday. Yes. Yes. Woo-hoo. Can I give all that energy? Because I will get to how you've been so low-key about this birthday. Um, 
Um, so we're going to get to that. But first, hey, girls, welcome. As promised, um, we're giving y'all one episode a month to hold y'all over till we come back in the fall. And this is our June episode. I'm Miss Malachi, and I'm joined by a girl I am truly blessed to have in my life and thankful that she was born, Miss Devereaux. How are you, sis? I am doing great. Thank you for that introduction, sis. I love it. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it I could still birthday. do it, girl. Look, she pulled it out. <laughs> It, yes. What, do you want to tell the girl specifically where you're or, or, or do you It was just. Oh, I'm sorry. Recent? It was just my birthday earlier in the week. So we're recording on Sunday uh, in advance of you know release on Wednesday. So we're recording a little earlier. And um, my birthday was earlier this week. And I turn. I'm gonna give the girls my age. Oh, you gonna give the numbers? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna give the numbers. I'm about to girl. cut off some numbers. I turn 36 this week, girl. Ooh. And so why I bring up the number is because uh-huh. last year during Corona, you know, that was my 35th birthday. So that was like a half milestone mm-hmm. birthday. And it mm-hmm. was ruined, girl. Mm-hmm. It was ruined by like some of my family members. <laughs> it was the one of the worst birthdays I'd ever had. And then this birthday, 36, which was isn't really a milestone birthday, but this is one of the best birthdays I ever had. Seriously. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to know why. But also we should say it wasn't. I mean, it was stuff beyond you, but wasn't there something else that happened around your birthday last year, too? Like well, girl, I mean, yeah, besides the <laughs> pandemic, like, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I can say this on the air, but there was, like, an extended family member who said she was suicidal and, like, oh, wow. you know, like, my... F- oh. I want to go okay, into details, but there. she can't... But she, uh, There was a lot going on. <laughs> there was a lot. It was given a lot. It was, like... It was a lot. And then George Floyd died on my birthday last year. Yeah. So, um, so was, like, the end of the day was, like, death. that That came on. You know, I, that video came over from George Floyd passing away mm-hmm. on my birthday last year. So, it was just, it was not a good, mm-hmm. 35 in the pandemic wasn't a good birthday, but 36 was much better because my mom threw yeah. me a, a vaccinated surprise birthday party. <laughs> I love uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it was really cute. Just about everybody there was vaccinated except for like one of my friends who showed up who's trying to have a baby. So she thinks the vaccine is going to make her infertile. So she she's like the only one. Her and it was two of them who weren't mm. vaccinated for that same reason. But everybody else was vaccinated. It was like okay. 20 people, family, family, friends. And um, it was some tea, but it was uh, <laughs> it was it was really, really nice. It was like because it, it was really supposed to be just me. My mom, one mm-hmm. of my aunts, and then maybe my godmom, and we were gonna do Taco Tuesday at my mom's house, and then my mom surprised okay. me, like it was still Taco Tuesday, but it just with way more people, so it was really cute. Got it. Got it. It really was. Um, now I know you're very much a numbers person, especially as it relates to birthdays. Mm-hmm. So thirty six, because because twenty twenty one is an odd number year. So I think you do like thirty six, right? Yeah, I like number? odd number years and even number birthdays. I do. Right. I like mm-hmm. I, so like my one of my favorite years was So you already knew 35 was going to be on some bullshit. Hmm? <laughs> so you already knew 35 was going to be on some bullshit. You already felt you know, something in your spirit. It's like <laughs> I you know what uh, you know what though but like there's been some even numbered years that have been okay. Like 2012 is one of mm. my favorite years and that's an even numbered year. Mm. Um mm-hmm. I that was actually one of my favorite years of all time is 2012. 2018 mm. was like a mixed year for me, but I, there were some mm-hmm. really great things that mm-hmm. happened in 2018, and that was an even numbered year. But definitely my like most of the time my favorite years are like odd numbered years, like 2019, mm. 2015 are two of my favorite years. Yeah, so you so you I mean, were going 2021 into 2015. looks pretty good too so far. 
Hey, fingers so, crossed we don't get that next pandemic strain. But um, <laughs> 2015, yeah. you were saying that was pretty good, girl? Yeah, 2015, my, that was the year I turned 30. Remember when I had my, you know, birthday hey. thing out in L.A. that year? That was really, really cute. Oh, yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, but you know, it's so, so interesting, though, because, like, this was a great, because, you know, I had the little surprise get-together with the vaccinated girls. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, my mom literally went out of her way not to invite unvaccinated family members she literally like was thinking about who's vaccinated i mean that would have you that would have ruined it for you if like yeah if there was too many unvaccinated people i could deal with the two and those girls mostly kept their mask on most of the time until it was time for them to eat and then took it off and then put it back on so those girls because they were scared about the fact that they were unvaccinated right but everybody else was vaccinated Mm. which was cute um Mm. like 18 out of 20 Mm. ain't bad so i would say this though (laughs) it was like um I was reminiscing too, like in the days around my birthday about like, it was actually the day before my birthday. Like there was this queen I went to high school with. Okay. My high school graduating class was 77 kids, right? Very small. I went to a small prep school mm-hmm. and it was like, it was three queens out of 77 people in my class. Oh no, it was four. It was four queens. Cause one came out way later. Uh, but even though oh, I'd okay. mess with, I'd mess with her older brother before who was a queen too. So her and her brother. Hey. But yeah, but it was like, family. it was two, it's four queens in my class out of 77 people. It was two black queens, me and this other black queen and two white queens. And, okay. and, um, so, but yeah, one of them was not like out in high school at all. Whereas me and the, in one white queen and the other black queen were kind of like, we were, we started to come out in high school by like junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. So okay. the white queen though was like, the white queen was really interesting. Her name, we'll, we'll call her Brad, right? So in the, so we'll call her Brad. Okay. And Brad was like a year older than the rest of us because I think she had maybe been held back in like pre-K or kindergarten or something or started school late, like something from, so she was like, okay. So Brad's birthday is, is the day before mine though. Brad is born on May 24th and I'm May 25th. And Brad mm-hmm. was one year older than this is, you know how I like numbers. Brad was one year older than me and mm-hmm. one day older than me. Okay. So he was one year and one day mm-hmm. older than me. He's born in 84. I was born in 85. But not just that. Brad lived one street over from me and one block over from me. So I used to joke with Brad that he was one year and one day older and lived one block and one street away from me, girl. But anyway, Brad felt, I used to think Brad was kind of racist though. I'm not going to lie. I used to think he was kind of racist. Okay. Cause he was like, I feel like he was like, he used to be anti affirmative action and stuff when we were in high school. Oh. And then he used to like use me as an example of why there shouldn't be affirmative action because he said, Oh, well, you know, Devereaux has money. Like Devereaux shouldn't be able to benefit from affirmative action because Dev- Devereaux comes from an affluent family or whatever, girl. He literally, I remember he made that argument one time and then like the black people went ham in that class when he did that. I didn't even have to mm-hmm. defend myself or do anything. The black people went ham on him. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So, but so, de- so he was like very, very smart girl. This queen, this white queen is very, very smart. And she and the black queen by like the summer after junior year, the black queen will call her Jamal. They had started, they had started like seeing each other and being boyfriends and messing around with each other the summer after junior year. 
And mind you that one other white queen in my class, like she came out like way like in college or even later. So she wasn't really with us. I won't even put her with us. The other one who ended up being a queen. Okay. But so it was like the three queens and I felt like left out. So I was like, dang, they're dating and they got it going on. Although I wouldn't let, I wouldn't let that white clean, white queen climb my back ever because she was, that like, white I thought queen she was racist. Who called- so uh, yeah but the okay. black one the black one in him and in the gag is is that the black one did not like me girl he did not like me ever girl oh don't you hate that when that happens yes oh. he was not featuring me he was like he mm-hmm. thought she's he probably used jealous to call me because the both of them were like they were like debate queens they used to use big words they were like philosophy girls <laughs> they used to read foucault and and sartre and I was reading some of that shit, but just for French class. Like, they were reading that shit for fun. And so, mm. and so, so, like, but the black queen really did not like me. And the white queen, you know, like, we were acquaintances, right? And we lived close to each other, and we, but we were mm. just acquaintances. So, the gag is, is that the white queen, so, uh, so fast forward, she ended up going to Stanford and then going to Stanford Law, and she's a lawyer now. In a few years on Facebook, she commented on something on affirmative action and it triggered me like back to when she used to be anti-affirmative action in high school. And this is a very mm-hmm. smart girl. She was like one of the top girls in our class. She was like, um, even though I beat her by SAT score and other things. But yeah, she was one of the smarter <laughs> girls in our class. She went to Stanford. Just and saying. she um she commented something on affirmative action and I like went in on this Facebook post. And she was like, oh, no, you've read me all wrong. My politics have done a 180. Don't you know that this girl has become like an ACLU lawyer girl now? And it's all about social justice wow. and rights and everything. Look at that evolution, girl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's huh. really crazy. But she's like, so she's like a super progressive, like white queen now. And then the other one, he's like. Is a, he, is a law cabinet Republican? That black queen. Well, R.I.P. Yeah. to that girl. That girl is dead now. But she died girl, in a car. She died in a car. Uh, you and no, these stories, not. bitch. You know the day I'm having. She died in a car accident in 2016, but it was so weird because oh that girl God. would never. She you just totally. So she just never liked me, and and so I've oh come come to find out from Fish, she admitted to Fish to being jealous of me like multiple times, right? Yeah, she girl, also that's thought, always what it's about. What other reason would a black queen not have to rep another black queen other than their own insecurities? She she bullshit? used to call me back then. She used to call me a Fire Island gay back then too. She called me Wait, that way back. You were in, in high school? school. Yeah, she used to call me a Fire Island gay. How does she know what a Fire Island gay? I is? don't know how she knew because she just was so like well versed in reading about culture or whatever. And I barely knew what that meant. But back I'm. Then. But, but I'm also like, a, girl, you the one out here dating a white man, and like, how is she ca- coming at you about exactly? Being a fire She's gay? out here what? dating a white man and calling me a fire island gay, but that she was projecting because she was really that girl because she used to hang out with white, almost all white people hang around, and you know, I was really, I was like very much in, like mostly socialized with black people in high school for the most part, and she really mm. was with the white people. So it was kind of interesting that she called me the Fire Island gay, That's but she was just so. saying like yeah. how I, she was basically, it was about like, you know, I wasn't a scholarship girl. I wasn't, you know what I mean? I, it was just a, it was just a different, like, you know, I was just a, I was a materialistic girl back then. I did wear a lot of designer clothes and everything. And she just was like, she just, she was like a single mom girl and she ended up going to Cornell, <laughs> you know, she ended up going to Cornell but she oh, okay. like didn't end up staying at Cornell. She ended up transferring back to Michigan State. You know, there's a lot of rumors about that girl. But I was just thinking about all these girls. 
Like, and then she ended up dying in 2016 oh, in a car wreck man. where I think I, allegedly she was driving the wrong way on the service drive or, oh, on, you know, she, I, one of my, one of my good Judy's died. Like I told you yeah, one of my good Judy's died like that. Right. Yeah. I remember yeah. you telling me that. And I think this girl might've, I don't know if she was under the influence allegedly or not, but you know, she in 2016 and it was so it was like you know i just felt some kind of way when she died because that girl wouldn't even accept my facebook friend request but i felt like a melancholy wow. thing so i was like damn what could have been like we could have been cool we could have been friends but she was just determined never to fuck with me um mm. but then that white queen and i then those two fell out and me and the white queen we were more cool for a while too, like after graduation, mm. and everything. But it was just so interesting. I was just thinking about all these, just going back to memories. I don't know why you're on my, you know how around your birthday you like to reflect and think about a lot of things. I was just thinking yeah. about those queens from high school, and yeah, and Christian, me, Christian, Brad, and Jamal, and then that other girl. We'll just call her Jessie, <laughs> or um, who came out later, where I messed around with her brother, and he's gay too. But it was just an interesting time in my life. It just it's interesting to come full circle. That's all I had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, as I feel like when you're as you keep getting older, you start thinking about those the youths, the times of our youths when we were stupid and dumb and pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I no. will say, like that white queen from that was my the real smart the Stanford girl who used to be kind of racist. She's that's uh-huh. an ugly queen too. That is not a cute girl. Oh, so oh I used to be God. like I used to think about why that black queen was dating her because she was kind of cute. I was like, you gonna date an ugly? But you got to remember, girl. Too? Remember, like a black girl, like oh, uh, you know, for, for some of those girls, like for her, she might have thought that girl was like an A or a B plus. So because you know, I think she, I think that ideas. black queen, she used to call me the Fire Island gay, but she was really the white. She was really like the you know a whites only girl. She mm, really was. Yeah. And I had a fine, like, I went and went to a summer program at Penn Girl, and I caught a fine Puerto Rican fine-ass boyfriend. Like, way better than her white boyfriend. You know? And so I'm just getting, oh, just gag. Like, you know, that summer between junior and senior year, when she's dating this ugly white queen with this big nose. Um, but I'm proud of that I'm white queen, so much. <laughs> Even though she's not cute, I'm proud of her for turning her politics full circle because I thought she was commenting commenting negatively on affirmative action on Facebook a few years ago, but she was actually commenting in the affirmative. But she just triggered me based on things she used to say in high school because at first she got on, she got in the Stanford off the wait list, girl. She was supposed to go to Pomona College and she was upset because like the valedictorian was already going to Stanford and she got rejected from like Princeton and Yale and all these schools or whatever. Um, and but then Stanford ended up letting her in off the waitlist last minute, you know. And then this, and then the salutatorian was this lesbian whitefish. We were so cool. We were so cool. Like me and her had all our classes together. She went to Yale, and we were so cool in high school. And then when, like a few years later, she decided she wanted nothing to do with me, girl. And we, I don't even have like me. Hey, me and her are not connected at all. And I cannot maintain any friendships with no lesbian fish, girl. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Have you not, like, and I think you might struggle Say with that a little bit for too. another time, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have a great, I don't have a great track record with lesbians either. Um, I know. But. Me and her were so cool. She's a lawyer too somewhere. And she's lesbian. But did you down. not, do, did you not do nothing, girl? You, you're saying just I didn't out do of the shit blue, to her because we were cool even like at graduation and everything. It was like years mm-hmm. later. 
she like defriended me on Facebook. I didn't even. It was like no catalyst. Well, girl, event. you know sometimes you be wilding out on your Facebook, and the girls do be watching and reading. Even yeah, if they you're don't right. Comments, and maybe she. Yeah, just was maybe like, that was it. Maybe I said know. something about a lesbian or something, girl. Like I hate a lesbian <laughs> joke or something. I because I I don't know why white lesbian fish. You know, it was weird because she was so religious in high school. She was like pro life and stuff and Catholic, but she was still mm-hmm. lesbian. And she, yeah, but she's like. She's a Yale lawyer girl, but she didn't want nothing to do with Devereaux. So, but you know, I don't retain lesbians anyway, so it's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. The point is, you had a good birthday this year. So. I did. Pra- yeah. Praise her. Praise God. Praise her. <laughs> uh, and so, uh huh. You got more to say about lesbians? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't have no more to say about my birthday, but I, but I want to, or reminiscing, but girl. I am, like, obsessed with something that is going on around this time. Can I tell you what it is, girl? do it. Yeah, what is it? I'm obsessed with the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre, girl. Mm. Like, that happened in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, girl. You know about that? I do know about that. And it's funny because I know about that. I feel like for a lot of people, it came into public consciousness thanks to um did you ever watch Watchmen on uh, HBO with Virginia? oh no okay. I never watched it but I always I, I yeah it's to. worth watching yeah but it start literally the first episode starts off with basically a callback to Tulsa I think when I was kind of like doing a little bit extra prep today they were saying it's one of like the few depictions of the Tulsa massacre in Hollywood media oh, um, wow. and I think it was really because of that I know already like commissions and things you're gonna go into have been more in people's minds but I think that was just a mainstream thing i was thinking about but um yeah i I remember i mean for me i just think about tulsa i think about black wall street right yes yes because my mom is obsessed with that like she and i are both finance girls and she like talks about black wall street all the time like she's doing all these things commemorating this 100th anniversary Mm -hmm. too and like we have t-shirts and everything talking about black wall street and And i guess we got to start with like where is like Tulsa what like Tulsa Oklahoma like what was there what is Black Wall Street like because you know yeah still don't even really know so what happened was is you know with the oil boom that happened in like states like Oklahoma and Texas and whatnot Mm -hmm, those areas mm -hmm. you know in the early 20th century with the rise of the automobile became very affluent right like Texas Oklahoma Mm -hmm, etc and Tulsa which is in Oklahoma became a very rich area, including its black population, you know, became very well off and built this whole, you know, corridor called Greenwood with all mm-hmm. these businesses up to, you know, they said up to 300 black owned businesses at one time. Mm-hmm. Or no, I think it's more, I think mm-hmm. it might be more than that, but it was like hundreds of black owned businesses. Yeah, it was, it was black. It was at least, at least 300, but I think it's more than that. Black-owned businesses mm-hmm. in their own little corridor, and they were like this self-contained black community that was later described as Black Wall Street, right? Because they had their own, like, you know, their own markets, their own banks, their own mm-hmm. everything. And mm-hmm. and then in the early 20th century, right at the start of, like, the booming 20s and the oil boom in that area, and what happened was is that... Um, there was a, a black man and a white woman mm-hmm. and there are different conflicting stories, but one of the stories is that mm-hmm. they actually were having a love affair, this black man and this white woman, and that they were on the elevator 
in that they they were kissing like at first they were kissing and then the elevator door opened and white people saw them kissing and immediately mm. jumped to the conclusion that he was like you know assaulting her assaulting or her. or mm. you know or aggressing on her in a way mm-hmm. she didn't want now the story is is that she actually didn't even cooperate with prosecutors in trying to convict him when the white mob came after him because she was in love with him. So <laughs> that's one, that's one thing, you know, but you know, mm-hmm. so it's not like the situation with like Emmett Till where that white lady lied on him or whatever. It wasn't yeah. quite like that. It was just that they were caught basically yeah. in their love affair yeah. by other white people. And so again, so like what happened was is he ended up being charged with like sexual assault or whatever it is. They made up some charges on him and then mm-hmm. a white mob went. This is on May thirtieth, twenty twenty one. A white mob. And they were they were keeping him in jail, so they were keeping. I mean, him in I mean, jail, May so May thirtieth, nineteen twenty one. Say that again, Malachi. Mm-hmm. I was just saying they they were keeping him in jail. So, yeah, so know, they, so they so were keeping him in jail, in jail, and then this is on May thirtieth, nineteen twenty one, where they put him in jail, and then a white a mob of of white men. It was like hundreds, they said, if not thousands, even came to the courthouse Ugh. trying to lynch him. They wanted when he was released on bail or whatever, whatever they were gonna, you know, they wanted to, or at least they wanted to get him out of the jail and lynch him. And a bunch of black men, not nearly as many, but just a few dozen, came to try to come to his rescue so that he wouldn't be lynched. And like I know, at least one brought a rifle with him. Um, mm-hmm. and they were gonna try to shoot the white people like if they tried to lynch him or whatever, right? And so, Mm -hmm. and then, like, one of the white guys was trying to rustle away the gun from the black guy, supposedly, and he didn't get out of him. And that made them, and the fact that I think they didn't get to lynch this guy, because I think they actually, I don't know whether it was that they kept him in in jail, or if if they released him, the black community ended up protecting him. You know, Mm -hmm. and getting him away, because they had a, you know, the black guy had the gun. Didn't someone get... It was either way, they didn't didn't get to lynch him. I don't know if anybody got shot, but... Oh, okay. I thought I thought a white one of the white men who had gone got like some when that like wrangling someone got a white person got shot, which also added to the. Oh, so one but, of the white people got okay. So then, but I, I think thought, they didn't. They didn't get to lynch. They didn't get to get you know. Yeah, they didn't yeah, get they their, didn't lynch him. I know that. Yeah. They didn't get to do their pick a nigger that day. Their picnic, yeah. i.e., pick a nigger. Like you know how white people used to do way back. They used to go and sit and look oh, yeah. at a black man get lynched in a tree girl. Why do we even fuck with white people, period? You know what I'm saying? When I, when we when we tell these stories, it gets me so mad. Like, <laughs> bitch, we shouldn't even fuck with any white people, period, girl. But anyway, no. Uh, but um, so <laughs> so then they decided, then the white people, that mob was so mad, girl, they decided they're going to go and burn up and, and really bomb the entire black community. You know, and actually during when that is exactly what they did on May 31st, beginning the next day, May 31st, 1921, they started literally the mob went into the black community and started burning down their houses and businesses in Greenwood and killed up Mm -hmm. to 300 black people. And not only that, girl, but they started using airplanes. It was the first airplane attack on U.S. soil, not Pearl Harbor. From the Japanese in 1941, but 1921, some of those white, some of those white mobbers, those white, you know, uh, rioters and, and killers, they actually took airplanes and, 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 and put explosives on the planes and dropped them mm-hmm. on the neighborhood in Greenwood. So it was like the first air attack on U.S. soil. 
and this whole and neighborhood I, I, was just basically destroyed. There are people, there's one lady who's 107 who was actually there at the time. She's still living. She was a little girl at the time, but she is still living to tell mm-hmm. the story. I think she's the last one. But other black people, like their parents or grandparents in some cases, told them the stories. And in Tulsa, um, and it was just, and it was just, you know, we lost this neighborhood, this black Wall Street. We lost it. But but this is a thing people don't really talk about. Like, yeah, this is the fact that, number one, I only learned about this. I was probably damn near 30 years old when I first mm-hmm. learned about this. And what about you, Ms. Yeah. Malik? How old were you when you learned about this? is not mm-hmm. in my history. Yeah, I was... In yeah. high school. I think I had heard I think I had heard of Black Wall Street when I was younger, but I didn't know where it was. It was so it was only like yeah, in recent I think it was I bet it was around when like the commissions are just seeing articles about that commission that which I'm sure you're gonna talk about, how that to like for reparations, seeing our um stuff about that being talked about made me go back and learn more about it. Um yeah. And you said I remember you and I talked before we were recording, but you were saying you it was probably in the last five five or so years that you yep. might have yep. really learned yep. more about this. And for me it was yeah, definitely in the last five to seven years when I learned more about this. But this is not this is not in my AP US history textbook, girl. Uh you know, in eleventh oh, grade. And so um, so the gag is, you know, what's really interesting is that, okay, so they lost everything in that 1921, but did you know that they actually rebuilt Greenwood? They rebuilt it, girl. I like, they actually, yeah. in the 1940s, it was starting to be a thriving black community again. And they mm-hmm. rebuilt it, and it wasn't quite at its former glory, but it had a lot of black businesses and had a lot of things in it. And then they had this neighborhood, and then... In the 1960s and 70s, you know, the interstate highways, they decided to build just like they did in Detroit through our Black Bottom neighborhood. One of our, I actually live right next to where Black Bottom used to be. I live very close to that. And they built this highway that I live right near, right through the Black neighborhood. And they did the same thing in Tulsa. They built it right through Greenwood in the 60s and 70s. And destroyed that neighborhood again. Over a thousand homes and businesses were destroyed because of the, that highway that they built to that neighborhood. So, so that's the gag. Is that girl, it, was, you, it was actually rebuilt? Go oh, ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry, Malachi. No, I was just gonna say, and weren't you also kind of saying because we're thinking about how we learned this late? But you're saying even some of the people our age or younger residents who lived there learned about it late too, right? Yes, there was a prominent black male pastor. He's probably about our age, if not a little older than us. So he might be more later 30s or even early 40s and he was saying like he only learned about the he's from Tulsa born and raised parents grandparents everybody from Tulsa he said he said he learned about this shit in college he said his parents and grandparents never now he's like one of the major advocates for reparations for the black community there but he he said his parents and grandparents didn't even want to talk about it it was so traumatizing and there were and there are quite a few people in Tulsa that were that they were interviewing on this documentary i just watched where they said like there's a lot of people our age maybe a little older than us or maybe even our parents ages who like didn't really know much about it because the older generations didn't even want to talk about it for multiple reasons, including the trauma behind it, but also because they didn't want to, you know, be considered a trouble, you know, like for the white people. They didn't want to, you know, to, to raise trouble or be considered a troublemaker, you know, and be, and be run out of town. So yeah, a lot of people even, this is their history that their families went through and some of them didn't even know it until recent years because of the trauma around it and the fact that their families didn't want to discuss it. And so it's really interesting because, um, yeah, the urban renewal 
basically the highways really that really destroyed it for good for the most part and um in the 60s and 70s because it had come back and so um what's what's the gag too is that basically how this is starting to come like to reality where now we're all learning about it finally one of the people who who you know is behind this is actually interestingly enough this young white republican mayor of tulsa his name is gt bynum but he launched a commission to study the white massacre into and to find the graves of all the black people killed during the massacre uh in 2018 and so that kind of you know he actually helped and he's a republican he's white but it's just interesting um, he took a lot of flack from, from white people in Tulsa who comprised 60% of the population there who said he was just trying to stir trouble or make white people from that era look bad. And he was saying, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents lived here. They were white and they lived here too. So if, you know, if I make anybody look bad, I'm making my own family look bad too, he was saying. But he was saying this had to be done. And so now they're actually like finding the graves and so that they can actually count the number of people who were killed. Um, and more importantly, now, like, there are some black businesses back in that area, in that area of Greenwood, but the decline is from 300 black businesses in the 60s or 70s before the highway went through it. It's down to 23 black businesses, and then some of which are even being gentrified out to this day. They showed in this documentary a hairstylist who lost her salon in that area and had to move it out of that area because they were trying to double her, her landlord was trying to double her rent. Um, but at the same time, there are museum. there's a museum there's that's going up in that er area to commemorate the 1921 massacre. looks like a really, you know, major project. Um, and it really got me thinking, and there's a whole modern reparations movement in Tulsa that's beginning, um, to compensate survivors and the descendants of survivors of this massacre, you know, and to subsidize the creation the recreation of the greenwood neighborhood and of more black owned businesses which i said are down to 23 in this area you know there's a whole movement for reparations in this area um which you know is like one of my passion you know subjects is reparations i think yours too right malachi yeah no girl take everything i want my mule i want my acre i want all of it um but no i think a lot of this came off that commission that they um they did to start looking at, you know, the ramifications of what happened. Um, but yeah, go ahead, girl. <laughs> yeah, but it's just got me really thinking about reparations, which I know I want to, I want to do a reparations show at some point. I know we keep, we kept pushing it off because of events that happened in the news, but I plan to, you know, I, I, I worked on a reparations project in high school and with one of the Congress people who is like the biggest, prom who was the biggest promoter of reparations in Congress. And I, um, was interning from him. He's from Detroit. RIP he's actually deceased now but I but it was interesting because mm. that you know the, when we talk about reparations for black people we tend to always focus on the effects of slavery right we deserve reparations because of what our ancestors went through for slavery and this got me thinking like watching this documentary got me thinking is like wait a minute we were being tortured in long beyond slavery right we were being tortured and discriminated against and, 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 and so I think because one of the arguments that white people always make against slavery, I'm sorry, reparations yeah. rather, they make against reparations, they say, oh, well, I didn't commit slavery and that was so long ago and, you mm -hmm. know, and that we don't deserve it because how do we decide, how would we do it and how would we decide who to give it to? 
And so to counter that argument, because reparations, because there are Holocaust survivors and their descendants who are receiving reparations from Germany, you know, as we speak to this day, or there are descendants of people who were interned in the Japanese internment camps in California in the 1940s who are receiving reparations to this day or received it at least in, in the years, in the decades after that. And that was in the 1940s and the Holocaust was also in the 1930s and the 40s. What if we tie reparations not to slavery, but to the Jim Crow era that lasted well into the 60s and in some cases is still even in existence, you know, financially and otherwise? Like, what if we tie reparations, making uh, making this a more modern reparations movement like they're doing in Tulsa? To, to compensate us for redlining, to compensate us for, you know, segregation in housing or segregation in education or things that are like only 50 years old or 40 or 60 or even 100 years old that happened in the 20th century. What if we start tying reparations not to slavery, but to things that are even more recent than that? Because then the, that takes away those white arguments against reparations that, oh, it was so long ago, because we're saying, oh, well, look at the Japanese. Oh, well, look what the Holocaust survivors. Like, why can't, you know, we're in that same time period, our suffering, why can't we receive reparations? And I think that might be the way to go. It reminds me, too, of this example in Manhattan Beach, California, about uh, an area called Bruce's Beach, where uh, Charles and Willa Bruce... Um, Charles and Willa Bruce were a black couple who opened a resort in Manhattan Beach, California, which is like on the beach there in LA County, uh, in the, in the southern part of LA County. And they had their land taken away from them in 1924 by eminent domain because they didn't want blacks to own any coastal areas or areas on the beach. And, wow. and they took, they had the resort and everything taken from them. And recently the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors voted to return that land to their descendants. That land that was taken in 1924. That's an example of modern reparations, right? And so what if yeah. that's the way for us to go nationwide to tie more recent atrocities and or discrimination or pain, you know, to two reparations right rather than going way back to slavery because you know i mean slavery slavery was the worst you know the worst atrocity in history and yet it is really you know it, it can be very far away right it can be very far away but these things are much more recent that takes away that argument what do you think about that girl hmm. yeah i i i think it's um I, I could see it. Well, because I, I just, it makes me think about when you're talking about the Jim Crow era, like I'm thinking about, I mean, you were talking about someone who was a little girl during the Tulsa, Tulsa massacre that was still alive today. She's still alive Even to like this Jim, day. She's 107. I'm thinking yes. about Jim Crow era. Like that would, like my dad was alive. Like, I mean, like I, my dad has had to go to, to like separate, because especially he's from the South, like had to go to like separate restrooms and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, it feels, because I think sometimes when we talk about, say, even though we feel the effects of slavery to this day, 
And in some ways, you could say, well, Jim Crow is just an evolution of the slavery of, you know, 400 years ago and things like that. Um, but it does feel, especially when you're talking to white people or talking to people, they're like, you know, that does feel so far away. Like, that so, feels feel so distant. And it's like, well, now, is is it as distant to talk about your father or your grandfather or right. things like that? It doesn't feel as far away, does it? Yeah, um, my so grandfather was in segregated there. units in the military, both in the Army and in the Navy. Mm-hmm. He was He was in Black-only yeah. units. Like... You know, my grandparents couldn't sit at lunch counters. Like, this is, like, very... This is not that far back. You know? And we can definitely... The thing is, we can align the timeline with with the Japanese internment camps and the Holocaust. And even... Some of these things happened even after the Japanese internment and the Holocaust. Right? Like, because the Jim Crow era goes well into the 60s. So, it's like... We can tie our need for reparations, you know, into our modern, our, into our modern history, right? Into our, po- into, you know, po- post-World War II history, even in many cases. Yeah. Um, huh. and so, yeah, which is like really the post-modern era that we live in. Um, and, and, and you, and your idea is also to wrap in like redlining and things like that into it too, or like, um, you know, like how banks just, like, do you rep- you are you going to wrap up also like how banks treat you know black lenders versus white white lenders and listen in 2021 if you are trying to sell your house and you have pictures of on your wall of your black family your house will be appraised at a lower value in 2021 so you people i know a lady right now who has like a 800,000 to a million dollar house and she's out of town right now, you know, working on something. And she's flying back to Michigan to do what she calls deniggerizing her house so that she can basically sell it at the price that it's really worth. And so they don't try to Ooh. devalue it just because of the black pictures in her house. She literally flew Ooh. back to take down all her black pictures. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? That's 2021. That's now. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, you know, we ha- we can tie reparations to things right now. I Today... In fact, I opened up for my godchild, who's uh, three, I opened him up an investment account today, a custodial investment account. Because I was like, you know what? This is one way that we could do reparations, is that we could have custodial investment accounts or savings accounts for all black children born beginning on this date. And and mm. the government has to put a certain amount in that account that can't be touched into that child until at least 13 for some needs and then 18. Right. And I think that that's one way we could do reparations. That's an, you know, that's an option, but there's just so many different ways we can do it. We'll come back to and have a reparations show and maybe even try to get an expert on about reparations. But I think that, you know, the Tulsa and Black Wall Street and how we created this Black Wall Street twice and they tore this shit down and took it from us. Anything that we try to get, they will try to take it from us. So now we need to be proactive. We need to take an affirmative stance on our wealth building, right? And not and not just build and then allow these motherfuckers to take it from us. We need what to is, say so not only do you, you can't take it from us, you need to give us back and restore us mm. what we you know, what we earn and what you took from us in the past. You need to restore us. Mm. Yeah. So that's all I had to say about the you know, but everyone like this uh by the time this airs like the CNN documentary will have come out that they're doing they're running on on Monday May 31st on Memorial Day. Um there's going to be there's a documentary on the History Channel too. You know, there's going to be a lot of things written about 
uh, Black Wall Street and the Tulsa Massacre that's, that are going to be in the mainstream papers. I just encourage you to go back and try to find some of this media and, and take it in and really learn about what happened with the Tulsa Massacre and Black Wall Street, you know, and this this white terrorism that, you know, is reminiscent. This, I, you know, when I think about January 6th, this, that is the same, those are the same kind of people that did that shit in Tulsa in 1921. Those are their descendants in many cases, mm. you know, or that those are their Ooh, spiritual descendants because it's the same kind of idea. And, and white terrorism is real and still here. And so we have to actually not just fight white terrorism. We need to take an affirmative stance and reclaim what is rightfully ours from past white terrorism. Ooh, come on. Reclaim. Reclaim. Reclaim my right. time, my land, and my money. Bingo. Right. Bingo. Well, I think we're going to end it there, sis, right? Yeah, yeah. Like good place. That's our show. Uh, nice little, you know, saying hello. Um, I don't know. You want to talk about what we have going on in June, or just? Oh yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. So y- y'all girls should should follow along with us because I think what we're gonna do our July show on is we're reading this amazing book called The Prophets, uh, by Robert Jones Jr., also known as the Son of Baldwin, mm-hmm. on Instagram mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, other places. Mm-hmm. Um. Has a very prolific Here, page. I got the little. I got the little. I got the little bio up. Let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get the bio. Let's see what or not with the little um blurb. Shit, where is it? Oh, here. Oh, here we go. Um, a singular and stunning debut novel about the forbidden union between two enslaved young men on a deep South plantation, the refuge they find in each other, and a betrayal that threatens their existence. Ooh. So it's a it's a black queer a black queer love story set during the time of slavery. I mean, this is like mm-hmm. very powerful. I cannot wait to read this. And this is gonna be this is our book club, you know, and this is gonna be our yeah. July show. It's gonna be around this. So join us. Order the book, you know, or buy it at a local mm-hmm. black owned store. You know, it's up to you. But mm-hmm. um but yeah, join us and read read the prophets and that and that's gonna we're gonna do our show so of course we're gonna have some spoiler alerts probably in that show in the first week of july so you have about a month mm-hmm. to get through the text um it's about what 300 something pages Miss malachi uh let me look at it let me look at it let me look let me let me look um where is it hold on one second Where's the pages? Uh, four hundred. Well, 400 at least the hardcover is four hundred. Yeah, but so I know people were reading it now. They said they cannot put it down. It's so good. It's so good. So I can't wait. I'm to excited. Read. Yeah, I've been following Son of Baldwin, um, aka Robert Jones Jr. for years. Like I've loved a lot of his pieces. He wrote this amazing piece that sticks with me about um having black people having a sort of apathy for white people in terms of like if you want us to value your lives we need the same have that reciprocation and when you don't do it you know why do we this social construct of like caring for each other breaks down and it can't just be one way when something happens to white people we're supposed to care but if something happens to black people you know nobody cares about us um but he's done some some great writing so i'm really excited to read this and it's gotten a lot of laudations um it's on a lot of book lists um, so yeah, I'm really excited to break into it um, and talk about it with you. And you've been really excited for it for a while. Right? Yes, yeah, because like one of our friends and listeners is like really been swearing by this book. It's and uh, you've you've owned the book for a while. I just got my copy, but um, yeah, I, yeah. Because and girls, yeah, I'm still thinking about a long other books to put on this like book list. But yeah, this has been one that I ordered yeah for a while ago. And it was literally like, oh yeah, I've had this a while. I just haven't started yet because I'm saving it for the summer. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, girl. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's so join us. Join us for the profits. Read right along with us. We'll post little teasers in our Instagram. Yeah, just because if you have any comments or thoughts, like, yeah, you can um, DM us. Yeah, leading up to the show. Um, Closer to the show. Don't, you know, because we might take some time to read it. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, But, you know, the socials are at Two Save Queens, as always, on IG, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Deborah's still holding it down with the thirst traps. You know, give me all something to look at for the summer. Appreciate it. Something, girl. Yeah, some Um, of the summer bodies. (laughs) Trying to. You know, giving us goals. Um, so I hope y'all stay safe, healthy, and saved out there. It's Pride Month. It's Hot Girl Summer. Um, you know, for the vaccinated girls, enjoy it. If y'all not vaccinated yet, I'll pray for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl. Y'all um, some late girls. If you're not vaccinated yet, you late, girl. Y'all are late. But oh, still, yeah. go out and get it anyway. Is that your final word, girl? <laughs> That we didn't want to leave the girls with for July. Go ahead and get it. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, go get that motherfucking vaccine if you haven't gotten it, girl. I don't even want to be bothered with you if you don't have a vaccine. Let me tell you, I don't even want to see you at no club. I don't want to see you at Club Nowhere in New York. I don't want to see you at Twist. <laughs> I don't want to see you nowhere. If you don't have a vaccine, stay other, stay the fuck away from me, okay? I don't want to be bothered. Wow. And that's it. Kisses. <laughs> <With> that. <laughs> All right. That's for sure. Bye, girls. Right. Bye, girls. Bye, girls.